You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. In his playing days, he was known as the Igniter. Now, he's here to kickstart your Sunday Twins fix. It's the Paul Molitor Show. You, know, you can hit a mistake a long way. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. There's not a lot of guys who can close on balls like that. It was quite a play. Just a dominant start by him. The Paul Molitor Show is sponsored by Killabrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of the Paul Molitor Show, Chris Atterbury and Jack Morris. Well, happy Easter and welcome to another edition of the Paul Molitor Show. Paul Molitor in studio, Jack Morris in studio, and also a nice new picture of Paul Molitor in studio as well. You can take a peek through our Champions Club window, and I don't know what you're staring at, Paul, but uh, you look good. You look very managerial. Yeah, I'm not sure what you guys were thinking when you started <laughs> hanging thing in here, but happy Easter to everybody. Yeah, and, and again, a, a, a holiday here that comes at weird times. We opened uh, a couple of years ago, the day after Easter, and... Uh, in Detroit, and you get to go into an Easter ball game today on the heels of the best pitch game we've seen at Target Field since, well, since Irvin Santana did it last year, and uh, that makes a manager's job a whole lot of fun when a guy is working as smoothly as Irvin Santana, and all the parts are working behind him as well. Well, his season has gotten off to a tremendous start, and, you know, the way he's thrown right now, it's it's kind of, you know, you feel like you're going to be able to avoid any kind of long, extended droughts because you know you got a guy who's going to give you a chance to win every time out there but the way he threw the ball yesterday uh, just in control from the beginning he had one little small stretch where he, he kind of lost his feel and he walked somebody and then had got behind the next guy but he got back on track in a hurry and 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 to beat Quintana again you know with the offense that we had early and Irvin making a stand up it was pretty special I, I you know I'm trying to think of the last time I've, I've seen a one hitter uh, thrown by a Twins pitcher. I know the, some of the data going back a ways, and you know, uh, but it, it's been a while. I know in the last couple of years, I don't think we've seen one. Paul, what a difference a year makes, you know. And you just mentioned the great start for Irvin Santana, but you've got to describe to us, to the, the, the listeners, uh, the difference that you sense in the locker room on a daily basis. I, I can sense it. I feel it. The guys are coming to the ballpark with a whole different attitude, especially after such a a frustrating start to last year's season. Yeah, it's uh, I don't, I, you know I can try to describe a little bit about that, Jack. It's um, one of those things that's it's always a little bit fluid. Um, I, I do think that you know the energy and the urgency that we showed in camp. Uh, we tried to set an agenda for the guys that included not only trying to prepare but a little bit more surrounding mindset type things, and maybe some small additions to uh, to our fans as far as people that we've added, but we really did try to find some experienced character, people that can perform, and uh, they've made a difference too. So, you know, getting off to a start where we've won some games, uh, I'm smart enough to realize, you know, you're only 10 games in, but it certainly does for me have a little better feel, just that I think these guys know how to deal with the adversity. We certainly try to develop confidence for our young guys. But it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like these guys believe and they, that they're supposed to win. I, I guess I should rephrase that question a little differently in the fact that I know you and your coaching staff are always preparing the players to put themselves in the best positions to win a game. But the mere fact that you have won games that might have slipped away last year, 
uh, and it's just a sample size, small sample size, sure. but uh, the, just the fact that wins matter so much to especially young players. Well, they do. Um, everyone was aware of what happened last year and even the year before to some degree that, uh, you know, young players are a little more vulnerable to, uh, uh, you know, the confidence factor and looking over your shoulder factor. And, and when you can win a few games early, it, it does make a difference. I, I think even going back to the first series, some of those games through uh, five, six innings were similar to many, many games that we played last year that, you know, turned out on the opposite end. But we found ways to win a couple of games early in that Kansas City series. And, uh, you know, for the most part, we've had a chance to win every game we've played. You know, those Detroit games weren't pleasant because we lost two of them on one pitches, but on one pitch. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, as you mentioned, Jack, when you got young guys, just to get this thing moving in the right direction is huge early. Uh, just to, to finish up our first segment on kind of a similar vein, because I can feel it, and even before the first pitch of the season, there's a, an accountability coming out of the, the clubhouse. There's a cohesiveness there. And you mentioned there are small changes of, of high-character quality players, but also with young players, I feel like maybe some of those guys didn't care for what they went through last year, and they spent the offseason looking in the mirror and said, it's not who I am, and that's not who I'm going to be. And, and you know, there's, we don't have a crystal ball what's going to happen, but I do think there's some truth to that. I, I know that collectively uh, we have a lot of the same people here that had to find our way and endure through that and continue to try to be professional about it and learn and have a good attitude each and every day. But it, it left a really, really bad taste, and uh, I'm hoping that's part of the motivation to, to keep propelling us forward. From bad taste to good taste, that's the good taste of Killebrew Root Beer, bringing you the Paul Molitor Show every Sunday. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created, legends are made. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. Paul and Jack standing by on your home between baseball. This is Paul Molitor. You're listening to the Alternative Channel at 96.3, your home for Twins baseball. This is the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to the Paul Molitor Show. Paul's joining us here on this gorgeous Easter Sunday. Paul, uh, I think we just have to add one more uh, segment anyway on the fact of what Irvin Santana has done for this team. And and I want you to maybe touch on the fact, because I know as a player you've saw it. I certainly saw it. uh, And uh, I think maybe the Twins in general are kind of, going through it right now and i call it the follow the leader effect mm-hmm. and irvin's gone out there and showed the the pitching staff what can happen when you're prepared and what you when you believe in yourself i see a radiate confident young pitcher out there and uh, certainly with uh, hector santiago on the mound today uh, you got to feel like he's going to try to follow the leader you know i i think that's really true jack uh, you know in spring training each and every year one of the things that i try to mention is that we have so many young people and some guys that aren't here yet but will be someday that to make sure that they watch people that have established credible resumes. And for our pitchers to watch a guy like Irvin, it just doesn't get much better than that. I, th- I think in terms of the work he puts in, the way he takes care of his body, um, his um, studying of opposing lineups, game preparation, um, and the fact that he's, I would have to say almost uh, entirely unflappable. I, I just don't think you, you see a different guy, no matter the circumstances, score, inning, month, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, if I was a young guy, uh, a guy like Mejia, for example, you know, I'd be shadowing that guy all around the park. You were a young guy at one point, and, and you were a young guy thrust into a very important role at a major league level. Who were the guys that filled that role for you? Were there guys you shadowed around the park? Well, you know, there definitely was. I, I, was, I was the young cat over there in Milwaukee for a long time, and, I was fortunate that I had some really good veteran leaders to follow. One of my 
guys that I, I liked watching before I got a chance to play a pro ball was Larry Heisel. And uh, he was one of the leaders on that team, Sal Bando, who had captained the Oakland A's back through world, three world championships. Uh, and a little bit ironic is that Robin Yount was only a year older than me, but he he had already played four years, you know. But he had a mustache when he was know, like fourteen, though. Yeah, so. you know Don Money, <laughs> Buck Martinez. Um, we we had a lot of leadership guys over there that it was it was helpful for me to watch how those guys went about it. Uh, we were talking about starting pitching, and it's been really solid. You had the one short start from Mejia, and that leads me to the bullpen because the bullpen's been very good. Now those two go hand in hand. If your starters are solid, your bullpen is in a position to be solid but also the way you've utilized your bullpen in terms of extended multiple inning appearances from some different guys. I feel as if you and Neil always have a lot of options for whatever scenario might pop up because sometimes it's your long guys who are able to eat up extra outs for you. Yeah, I, I'm uh, trying to get used to the fact that I have extra guys to be available. It's it's a nice luxury when you can protect your bullpen. It, again, we, we preface almost every comment with we know how early it is, but mm-hmm. the fact that we've, we've been able to spread these guys out, um, our long guys, uh, you know, Duffy's had some shorter stints, but at least one time where he got stretched out for three innings and and uh, Haley doing his job the couple of times he's come in that's Got you know we we've gotten outs from these people that have helped keep other people fresh. The dynamic of a bullpen can change very quickly in the matter of a day or two as far as feeling like you gotta almost get some guys to work. To where am I going to go today? So um, hopefully the guys keep giving us innings at the out of the rotation and and we can kind of keep these guys at least relatively fresh throughout the whole year. It'll make a big difference for you and Neil. It's got to be. And I know we're, we're going to admit that it is a sample size here, mm-hmm. a short part of the season, early, but. I look back at last year, and I said to myself, how many times did Paul even get to manage? There was games that were just damage control so early for you and and for Neil, and and yet now you can rest guys in the bullpen. The starter's going deep enough to that. They're not overworked. It's got to be just a good time for both of you. Well, I'm I'm not foolish enough to believe that the manager can influence a huge swing in how many games you win and lose. But, you know, last year there there were a lot of games that you kind of – Winning or losing kind of got bumped down the line as just mm-hmm. in terms of just trying to get through a game. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, and it's tough that way. And, and we had so many revolving parts and 29 pitchers or whatever it is that we went through. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some changes along the way. Some people are going to go down and other people are going to pitch well and make you pay, you know, pay notice to that. So, but, uh, yeah, when you have a chance to at least try to line it up right and have some planning to your matchups late in games and chance to compete and win – uh, it makes a big difference for, you know, everybody in that clubhouse. And that's the voice of manager Paul Molitor. This is the Paul Molitor Show. Jack Morris, Paul Molitor in studio. We're brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. Our memories are created and legends are made. Back with more on this Easter Sunday in a moment on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Chris Atterbury, and you're listening to the Paul Molitor Show on Go 96.3. Welcome back to an Easter Sunday edition of the Paul Molitor Show. The Twins going to tangle with the White Sox today. Chance to win a series, uh, trying to win their third series against a Central Division foe uh, on this young season. 
Our show brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota like these two gentlemen, Jack Morris and Paul Molitor. And, Paul, let's turn our focus now to offense. Miguel Sano has has undoubtedly been at the center of a lot of good things for your offense. Working counts. Last six hits have all been for extra bases. He's walking at a very high rate. But Robbie Grossman has also been off Mm -hmm. to a dynamite start. It's not always easy to transition to a DH role. I talked to Robbie opening day. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to spend my time, but he's obviously figuring it out. Mickey, we all know, is off to a great start. And and what I like about him was he was disappointed yesterday with his last at-bat that he expanded on a pitch that he could have taken a walk because I know he realizes the value of that. As far as Robbie, you know, I've been trying to communicate with him as best I can. I, I, I'm trying to get him in a game uh, in the outfield. You know, he's been dh when he's played. It's just it's kind of worked out with our roster that that's kind of the role he's been called upon to serve here in the short term. You know, he's providing good at-bats, left-handed, right-handed. Uh, he's getting on base like he, you know, his track record says that he can. And he's gotten some big hits, too. Um, I think last year we saw the right-handed side better. But, you know, going back to days in, in other organizations and things, that, that left-handed bat plays as well. So he's flexible. He can lead off. He can, you know, be in an RBI slot. He can kind of, you know, flip the lineup over at the at the bottom. But uh, at least for now, I you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We talked about the pitching getting turned over. At some point, we'll probably have some positional changes, too. But he's getting an opportunity to at least get pretty consistent at bats in that role. Offense going to be facing veteran James Shields uh, in this afternoon's game. Uh, you know, he's won his first yeah. game. Uh, I think we can all admit that it was quite a, a difference for James last year. He struggled through the year everywhere he was. And, uh, you know, talk about what you know about Shields and, and how you're going to attack him. We, we've known him for a long time. I mean, he was a big game pitcher a long time for Kansas City. And, uh, you know, he went out to the National League for a while and he got off to a rough start. He came back over here. And um, I like anybody, it doesn't matter what you've done, you can lose confidence. And I, I, I thought last time, last year when we saw him, he was, you know, it looked like he was overthinking and he was, wasn't trusting his pitches and, you know, leaving some pitches over the heart of the plate and, and guys were making him pay. But a guy like that, we all know, you know, you always hear he's he's a, he's a great competitor, but you know Shields falls into that category of very prideful, and I'm sure he had a winner of uh, a lot of self-talk, and it looks like he's come back. He had a good spring training, and he's gotten off to a good start. But he's not going to overpower you. He's got good movement. He's got a great changeup, and uh, again, I, hopefully the patient approach that we've been taking on almost everybody we face will pay off today. You had a few different uh, bodies in the lineup in uh, yesterday's game. You probably have that luxury when you feel confident about your starter. Yeah. But Hector Santiago on the mound, talk about Brian Dozier. Is he ready to go? Well, Hector's gotten off to a good start, too. You know, I, I think the biggest difference through the first 10 games has been our, our collective starting pitching. I think almost every day we've had an opportunity to, to, to win late uh, because those guys are keeping us in the game, and Hector's had a couple of good starts. You know, I think he's more comfortable here. You know, you get traded. It's kind of an awkward situation, especially when you come to a last-place club and but he got on to a little bit of a role at the end of the year. And, and uh, you know, we lost him for a while in the WBC, but he's come back throwing the ball well. So the one good thing about it, uh, about how he's been throwing, it's good to see him spinning the ball a little bit more instead of just the fastball change of combination. And I think that's helping him. Um, you know, I'm still waiting on Doge. Um, I'm optimistic. Uh, I got him penciled in right now, but they're going to get him out to make sure that he's kind of pass some mm-hmm. physical drills out there as far as running and cutting and doing some things. But I, uh, uh, that'll be the part of the final decision on who's, who ends up playing today. But I, I do know this actor is comfortable because he, he shocked Jack and I in the dugout the other day when he came out to shag and his face 
was painted entirely blue. It was part of an autism awareness yeah. situation, and we didn't know whether to turn and run like it was Braveheart <laughs> or was it a Smurf movie or what. It was uh, he was he was comfortable and uh, and he was ready to go. You had an interesting post game quote, and I think it was after Miguel's home run on the road trip, the, the monster shot maybe in Detroit, and you said that for you that was a wow moment. Now you yeah. you've been around a lot of moments yeah. in baseball, and you don't get wowed easily. Um, so that that kind of registered with us. What are some other moments that have been maybe wow moments for you? What does it take to, uh, to wow Paul Molitor at this stage? You know, I I, I don't know. It's you know, Jack knows you around the game. You see a lot of incredible athletes do amazing things. Defense, how they run the bases, decisions they make. You know, how they can hit a baseball. Even guys who can throw a baseball. I I, I do respect pitchers a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know. You're just sitting there and you're playing in that park that's just got as big a center field as any place we play, and then he hits a line drive, and then then you watch the center field turn, and then it hits up in the bushes. It was, it just gets your attention because I, I don't know. You can count on one hand guys that can hit a ball like that in our game. You know, Stanton comes to mind, and maybe a couple other people, but um, he's must see TV right now. You know, I mean, every at bat you're just kind of just waiting for something good to happen, and you know he's. Double digits and walks and RBIs and runs and you know he's it's just one of those things you wish you could bottle um, but we we're seeing a tremendous focus a guy who really wants to win you talk about guys who didn't like going through that last year he might be at the top of the list yeah and he's certainly playing like he wants to change uh, change that and erase it uh, from the record we'll take our final break we'll take our final break and come back to wrap things up it's an Easter edition of the Paul Molitor Show in the home. Final segment on an Easter Sunday. Jack Morris in studio. Paul Molitor in studio. It is the Paul Molitor Show. I'm Chris Atterbury. We're brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota. How memories are created. Legends are made. Coming up this afternoon, uh, 2.30 uh, Inside Twins. Uh, or 2.30, pardon me, is our premium lineup card. 2 o'clock Inside Twins with Corey Provis. And then the Twins tangle with the White Sox. Series on the line. Uh, we talked about it last week. Series are a, a big deal. You try yeah. to win a series. It's an implement in baseball. But more so even series in the division, 22 of 25 in the division. Throw that in there and also home field. I know that was a big thing for you last year. Yeah. You you were very disappointed in the inability of your team uh, to galvanize themselves here at home. Ten-game homestand this time of year against division foes. This is an opportunity for your club. Well, I think players should relish playing on the road, um, kind of taking your show on the road, if you will. It's it's fun to go out and compete against good teams in their ballparks, but there's something about your home park where you should take pride and make other people at least feel a little uncomfortable about coming in and playing against your team in your home park. And we lost that a little bit, you know, last year. And, you know, the years that the Twins have done well, they, they've protected their home field back to the Dome days. And, you know, the first year here in 2010, I think they won 51 games at home or something like that. But, you know, so we're, we're trying to establish that. You know, players are, they got their own little quirkiness about them. It's like if you win the first two, then you want to sweep. If you split, you want to win the series. And if you lose the first two, you try to salvage one. But you always have something that, that kind of drives you. We know that winning series in our division is are important. I the first game here was a tough one for me. We had a young pitcher on the mound we couldn't take advantage of, but we did bounce back with a really nice game yesterday, clean all around, offense, defense, pitching. And, you know, hopefully we can find a way to go out there and, and uh, give Hector something to work with, you know, head into that Cleveland series with a little momentum. Paul, I consider myself, and I'm sure you do too, lucky that uh, both of us grew up in the community, uh, Minnesota guys yeah. deep down, and yet uh, we both were able to put on the uniform as players at one time in our career. Um, what you just described about home field advantage, I know 
your years in Milwaukee, uh, you certainly had to adjust to that. But that, that one year that you played here, uh, I, I know you really can't just translate that to the players, but just talk about your own feelings about what it meant to win at home uh, because we walk the neighborhoods. We hear, yeah. hear from people. Well, I think, Jack, uh, you know, we're two of the fortunate ones, if you will, that, you know, we dream of being major league players and, you know, we, we don't start our career here for the team that we followed for mm-hmm. years and years. The team that, you know, helped instill the passion for the game. And, and uh, you know, we know what the fans are like here. We know the support we have. Uh, it's not just in the Twin Cities. It's all around the state and throughout the upper Midwest. And that means a lot to me. Um, I take a lot of pride in, in being able to put the Twins uniform on each and every day. And it's a little more personal maybe for me than some of the guys. But you want them to recognize that, you know, we are in a good place. We're in a tremendous franchise with good ownership and good leadership. Just never take those things for granted. And part of that is going out there and try to be entertaining and be as competitive as you can in your home field each and every day. Now you'll have a chance to do that again today. It's James Shields pitching for the White Sox and the Twins. We'll counter with Hector Santiago as the uh, Twins uh, on part of a 10-game homestand here trying to uh, make it two out of three against the White Sox to lead things off. we got about a minute left, Paul. Uh, a, a critical aspect of today's matchup, uh, you know, yesterday we were talking about Santana even before he got off to his great start. What will you be looking for early? What barometer will you be checking to see if your team's ready to roll? Well, you know, uh, obviously we just want to keep making the opposing pitcher work. Well, I think we're doing a really good job of – of uh, you know, it's that fine line of of being aggressive and yet still understanding the strike zone and making a guy battle. Um, you know, being competitive with two strikes. Uh, you know, no giveaways along the way. Each and every at bat counts. And on Hector's side of the coin, it's it, you know he's he can be a little erratic. You know, he he likes to fire and he gets working. He's working fast, and we'll kind of watch to see how he's commanding that fastball because when he's got it working, it plays up. You know, we see ninety ninety one, but you watch hitter swing at it. It looks like it's. It's getting on him pretty good. So, you know, hopefully he's commanding that fastball and give him a chance to use his other pitches. We'll be looking for that early. Good stuff as always. Happy Easter to both of you gentlemen and your families. This has been another edition of the Paul Molitor Show. Again, just the start of a big day across our network. Inside Twins coming your way just after 2 o'clock with Corey Provis. 2.30 pregame lineup card just after 3. First pitch, some Easter baseball as Paul Molitor's Twins and Hector Santiago tangling with James Shields and the Chicago White Sox. That'll do it for us right here on your home for Twins Baseball.